Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Times with Ementi Corey. Of course, I am your host, Ementi Corey. And today I have a very special guest, uh, a woman that I have met uh, several years ago when I was working for the Patrick Dealer Group. Um, she came in for some damage on her uh, Escalade at the time, and uh, it turned into be a friendship um, partnership that has lasted a very long time. And I am super excited to have Helene Wood with us. She is a mother of five who has now grown into 12. She's a grandma of four, a mother-in-law of three. She's a retired business owner of a company she created that specialized in launching small businesses. She is a public speaker on the effects of police officers killed in the line of duty and distributes her time to a foundation's who support the family survivors of officers who have died in the line of duty. Of course, Helene has lost her husband, Tom Wood, in the line of duty. So we became friends immediately when I was able to introduce her to my wife as well as my motorcycles events. And from that, we've built a strong friendship and a lasting bond of, I would consider us a brother and sister. Um, and so with that, I am going to welcome Helene Wood. Are you on? I am. Well, thanks for taking the time to uh, join us today, and, and I'm, I'm really excited because this is my first interview with a female member guest, and I've been trying to find the right female to actually put on this event to start with me, and I could not think of anybody better than having you on, so thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. So, Helene, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of things. We're going to be talking about what inspires you. We're going to talk about how how life has thrown you some curves and, and how you've been able to manage through those, um, through some inspiring times, you know, of course, the, the whole thing, raising um, five kids. And I mean, it, it's, it's a whole dynamic story. But before we, before we start with everything, um, give us a little background on what's going on with you right now. What is your, what are your, what is your main focus? Well, I turned 50 in April. So, um, my main focus is my new chapter. Um, 50 brings on a lot of uh, different things when you're a young mother. So I never expected to be, um, you know, where I'm at now. My kids are grown. I have grandkids. Um, not, you know, a lot of responsibility. Obviously, people who have raised young kids and are raising adults, they know that sometimes it can be a challenge when you become an adult parent. So um, hmm. there's that. And then, right. um, so, but, you know, I'm trying to find my own path, you know, at a different time in my life. I'm downsizing, um, you know, Tom and I raised the kids in a very comfortable life. We had a very large home. So I want to go about a quarter size of what I'm in right now. And uh, my daughter, Alyssa, she's my second oldest and her husband and the two kids are going to take over the house and I'm going to uh, renovate upstairs into an in-law apartment so that's kind of the newest thing um I've been traveling still you know I love to travel been on the bike a lot mm -hmm. um just making new friends and finding new paths and people crossing my path and keeping you know good contact and making new relationships and friendships that's always a thing for me you know that mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. like well that's pretty exciting that the fact that now you've turned the half century mark. So I want to welcome you to that club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're definitely there. <laughs> so, you know, um, 
I, I'm going to back up a little bit because um, we're going to talk. Well, first of all, Tom was not your first marriage, correct? That was your second marriage. Yes. My first marriage, I was very young and I had my first three children with him. And then, and then you, and how did you meet Tom? Um, when I was just on the verge of getting a divorce, I started uh, coaching gymnastics again. And uh, I started working at the Schiller Park Rec Center and I um, became the director of the gymnastics uh, department. So as I was doing that, it started to grow. And Tom, being a Schiller Park resident, was the captain of their gymnastics team at East Leiden for all four years of high school. So he was a little bit well-known, you know, being the gymnast, and he was still younger. He was working at Schiller Park uh, part-time, and the director of the rec center knew him very well and called him in to see if he could help me. And that's actually how we met, but we didn't start dating until probably about two years after that. I was of course, speeding. And he was, working in Stone, <laughs> he was working in Stone Park at that time as a full-time officer. And I was on my way to Melrose Park, which are neighboring towns. And um, he stopped me for speeding, but he knew my car from two years ago. He knew my license plate. He was on to something. And from there on, we never separated. So we got, we got married and had two kids. And uh, yeah, we were together for Ten and a half years, which is you know it's kind of funny because you know you met you met Tommy through um, that avenue. I met my wife through her working for Denny's, where we would go and eat at night. You know, and it's and it's funny that uh, you know police officers. Um, you know, I would say majority of the time will end up meeting their significant other through some way through their job. Oh yeah, for you sure. know. You know, not 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 where they're uh, totally away from their job, but it's actually somewhere where they were working, where they met that person. And that's it's always funny. But, you know, we're going to we're going to speed up a little bit and we're going to talk about probably the most impactful thing that ever happened to you. And, and I really want you to share the story because, you know, I knew Tom through the ranks of being a fellow police officer in North Lake. You know, he was in Maywood. You know, we had Melrose, Bellwood. We had all these departments around us. But. You know, it was a very devastating time when when we lost Tom in the line of duty. And I, I want you to share with people, because you are an outstanding speaker for those families that go through this. And and I know when this first happened, this was not definitely, you were never where you are now being able to speak about it. But can you give a little insight on what it's like being a police officer's wife um, going through this and what you felt that you need to do that would inspire you to keep moving forward with the five kids and, and keep, keep yourself from falling into, you know, that dark hole. Well, so it was 14 years ago in October. Um, it was October 23rd, 2006. Um, you're right. I am definitely in a different place 14 years later. Um, most of that is credited to my faith and God and the strength that I get from my faith and the people around me who have also gone through it. The other survivors who have gone through pretty much the same thing. All of us have a different story, but it's, it's very similar as far as our emotions and, and the roller coaster that, that we go through. So being a police officer's wife and, you know, any police officer's wife can attest to this, unless you are already a police family, 
you really don't know what to expect. You know, they, they don't get Christmases. They don't get birthdays. They don't get parties. They're always working. And until they make it up to those ranks where they can make their own hours, which most officers don't even want to be lieutenants and sergeants. They don't want that. They want to stay, you know, doing patrol until they retire, get their pension, you know, and work to that point in their life. So Tom was one of those guys. You know, he had the notion of becoming FBI. And when that didn't happen, because we started, you know, a family and he decided that's exactly what he wanted to do. And he thought he was going to change the world. So everybody or one little town at a time. And when he got hired in Maywood, that was like his dream come true. He wanted action. Like he wanted to be on the streets. He wanted to run after the bad guys. You know, he wanted to change this town. And he did. He made um, a dramatic effect positive effect on a lot of the community and I didn't know that until after he was gone so when he got shot and killed um it it, and it still is up in the air you know his case is not solved and um that was difficult for me to be around other survivors that you know they knew who their killers were they knew who killed their spouses or you know their siblings or their officer whoever their officer was they all knew you know and and some mm-hmm. of it is uh, a blessing in disguise because i didn't i never had to go through court cases and see you know pictures that would rattle my life for the rest of my life of the crime because it, it was a horrific crime but in the meantime during that time I would say probably about three or four years. Uh, All I did was pray that I wasn't going to stay angry. Mm. And I wasn't. I was never angry. I wasn't angry at anybody. So I wasn't angry at Tom. I wasn't angry at the department or whoever was running in the streets who killed him. That, to me, in any situation in anyone's life, if you hang on to anger and resentment, um, you know, it's going to, it's going to rule you. It's going to control your entire life and it's not healthy to be that way. So I live, I live my life that way now. Um, You know, do I, do I separate myself from people? Most definitely. Have I separated myself from people after Tom's death? Most definitely, but I'm not angry with them. You know, it's not because I'm mad or, or, you know, I have some sort of grudge that I'm holding. I just, I, I decided life is short when you lose someone close to you in an in, in, in instant or not in an instant, you know, when you lose someone, uh, you realize that life is short. We all hear that saying, and it's better to live life without toxins in your life. Surround yourself with good people. Um, always, they always know that you'll always make new friends. You are never too old to make new friends. Look at us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely oh. right. You're absolutely right. And, and you know, um, me making the move when I left Chicago, I was leaving some good friends behind, including you. I mean, we became very close. And, um, you know, you've always been there for me whenever I needed to talk about something. And, and moving to Kansas, you know, I, I, I won't say that. I have the kind of friendships I have in Chicago, but, you know, I built a couple of close people that I can trust and one being my pastor, um, which he's also become a good friend as well to be able to be around those people. And you definitely, and I think what I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's better to surround yourself with people that are going to really be there to support you. Right. Most definitely. And move forward with you. 
You know, how many times, and it's hard for women because men are easy. You know me, I'm all about testosterone. I need male energy because it's pure to me, um, especially when boundaries are made and and the, the person that, you know, I've made friends with knows that it's just a friendship. It's just platonic. It's a wonderful energy when a male and a female can be friends. And a lot of women have hard time. not being able to maybe find another best friend. All of her good friends are out here because women it's calling me. It's hard for women to um, find good friends that want them, encourage them to move forward because unfortunately, mm -hmm. and, and men are like this too. I think a lot of human beings are just, you know, whatever handful of human beings, whatever the statistics are, it's almost like they don't want good to happen to other people. Like they, they want to drown themselves in the drama, in the negativity, in the, I mean, we're feeling it now with just social media and everything that's going on now. You see people just, just engulfing themselves with all the negativity. And right. I think that like what you're saying, finding people in your life that can help you move forward is the best way of life you can find. You know, that's the best way of life that you can live is first of all, to not be alone. You know, no one wants to be alone, but sometimes people find it easier to be alone because they don't know how to find that good energy. And right. that's, that's just not what a human, that's not what we need as human beings. We need other humans, good humans around us, you know? So my, my uh, next question to you is going to be, what makes you feel inspired the most or like your best self? What, what is that? Making people happy. You know, when we connected, and I, I hear this all the time, Helene, you have never met a stranger. You've never met a stranger. I, I feel good, and I, I found this, this was my purpose in life. Um, this was a gift or whatever it is to always make a stranger feel like they're not a stranger. So when you're in mm -hmm. a group of people, which we have been, and someone walks up, I engage them all the time. There's no one, unless they're just vile, you know, and they just don't deserve to be in the circle that we're in, or I mm -hmm. engage everyone that I meet. I'm, I'm genuinely and sincerely interested about their life, about their story, about their journey, whatever they have to say. And, and I, I don't do that for my own benefit. I don't have an agenda behind it. And I think when, when you can honestly do something in life and say to yourself, there's no benefit for this to me. I, there's no benefit that I'm reaching or I don't really have an agenda for this. You could walk away knowing that you did whatever your purpose is, you did it. And you walk away without feeling you deserve payback or a pat on the back or recognition. That's when you found your purpose that God has blessed you with. I truly believe that. And that's, that's, you know, that's who I am. I like and, it. And, and that's, and that's well said because, you know, one, a couple of things that, you know, in the new Testament that, you know, always talks about 
is about when Jesus tells people after he's healed them, don't tell anybody. Yes. You know, just go about your day. Because you know what? You don't need to be recognized for doing good deeds. You know, I, I, I have been really pushing hard on, on doing as much as I can for the homeless. And, and you know what? I don't, I don't boast about it. I don't tell about every time I, I give food. to home. That's not, that's not what I, I do. I, I try to focus and show people that you can take the time and help others without trying to receive gratitude for it, because, you know, that's not what we really need to do. So moving on to, to something here, going on, the, going a little bit on the opposite direction, what you said, what you were talking about, what is something people seem to misunderstand about you? Um, I guess it's probably my, my personality. I have a very, um, off the beaten path, kind of unfiltered personality. And because of that, you know, lack of filter, uh, you know, people don't like to hear the truth. And, and maybe it's just, it, maybe it's not the truth. Maybe it's just my observation, which is just an opinion, which everybody has. And, you know, we all right. say opinion is like, what? And they all stink. So I, you know, and I take it that way. I never take my, my opinions. If somebody disagrees with them, I don't take that personal, you know? And, right. and, and I, I think I catch people off guard when I, when I, um, call them out on their bullshit. <laughs> you right. know, I have to bust that out. But I catch them off guard because when it's happening, I I nip it in the bud. Um, I'm a I'm a no nonsense kind of person. I don't engage, you know, I don't I don't engage in a lot of drama, but I will welcome drama. You know, we're all human, so it's entertaining right. for me. But uh yeah, I think it's just my personality. Yeah, I'm like a pill. Either swallow me or you spit me out there really is no in between there's not i mean if i lined up 100 people that have met me throughout my life 50 will love me and 50 will probably hate me i i personally have never met anybody that hated me that came to my face and said you are an a-hole or a this or, or i've never met anybody like that you know that has something against me but i know they're out there otherwise i wouldn't do that. so they're there well, you know, it's funny because, you know, um, that's one thing that I really love about you. And I think that where we both have such a good relationship with, uh, with each other, because we're very brutally honest with each other. Yes. And we might not sometimes like what each other says, but we never hold it against each other. It's like, oh, you know, she might have a point. I mean, I've had you yell at me before and, you know, and I've been like, well, then I had to sit back and think, well, you know what? I think she's right. You know, but it, that's the one thing that I love about you is because you are, you know, who you are. You're not, you're not trying to pretend that you're someone you're not. And I think that is one of the things that I've learned more in my life growing wise. And, and, and I would say that you've known me during that time from the time when all that crap went down and, 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 and I lost my job to the police department and I, and I had to, I was going to the Lord and praying and, and all that stuff you know, you, you start to realize that, you know, you just need to focus on what is best for you and trust and what the Lord is going to give you. And, and personal growth. That's, yeah. You know, the people that get offended by anything that, you know, we say, or like you said, yelling and straight or whatever that we bring up to their attention, 
The people that want to ignore it and block it and don't want to do anything with it are people that are stagnant. They're just sitting in one place in their life, happy and complacent, and they're not, they're not, they have no personal growth. Right. And we're always growing. I tell everybody, I'll always learn. My kids, you'll never stop learning. I don't care how many degrees a university is going to give you. You will never stop learning. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Every single day, there's going to be something new that you can possibly learn. And, you know, which goes to the next point that I wanted to bring up, because, you know, one thing that's always amazed me about you is how strong you are, because you're a very strong woman. There's no doubt about it. And and when you're doing you've been doing those public speakings for, you know, the and and, and I don't want to get it wrong, but isn't it the 100 Club? What yes. is the what is it's the hundred club, right? So I go to and, the academy at Triton and I publicize yeah. speak to the guys, the new recruits, every um re- every graduating class, and then also uh, the one hundred club I've spoken for, and um, concerns of police survivors is another really great foundation that I've uh, done public speaking for. So or in what is them. what is one thing that from all those programs that 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 you've done, what is one thing in that program that um, you didn't expect would happen in, in the aspect of as far as when you're speaking, did you, did anybody ever come up to you and, and just be like, thank you so much. I mean, what is one thing that sticks out in your mind after you've done one of those presentations that has possibly even touched or changed somebody? That's funny. So it's so different because with the police officers, um, it, puts them in a place in their new career that they actually appreciate the career where before they were just going to be a cop. They were going to write tickets. They were going to, you know, run after the bad guy. They were going to shoot some shit up, you know, that kind of thing. And then after they heard me speak for, you know, I usually speak for a half an hour, 45 minutes. um, It was, thank you so much. I needed to hear that. I'm going to appreciate my family more. I'm going to include them more. I'm not going to leave them in the dark, which is something that police officers do, generally do, because they're always in protective mode. Mm-hmm. So yep. what, do, what do police officers do? They try to protect. They don't want their families to know about the times that they got shot at or the times that, you know, they got punched or something. And I said, tell them everything. You know, they want to be a part of your life. You have to tell them everything. So there's that aspect with the police officers. And then, with the survivors, it's, I never thought I'd be where you're at. And sometimes I don't hear that until later after they've gotten through their uh, fuzzy zone, you know, like my fuzzy zone was those three and four years after Tom was killed. Um, they never thought they would be where they're at. So we all start off in the same, same uh, black hole, you know, we never see that light after that. And then as the years go, you still think, you know, I am never going to get through this. I'm never going to get through this. You always say to yourself, I'm never going to. And then you hear someone that has gotten through it and you start to listen to other people that have gotten through it. And then they realize that, yeah, you know what, there is something that I can look forward to. And it's not always the same time frame. Grief is different for everybody. Right. But I get, I get both ends of it so I get the police officer side and I get the survivor side and it's very gratifying yeah and and I got to tell you um as a former police officer um I I, really quick I'll share with you a story about 
Um, this morning we had our men's uh, church group meeting. We meet every Friday morning at eight o'clock. And, and in this one, they were talking about um, your experiences with evil and stuff like that. And you bringing up the point about how police officers should share their experiences. It's very important for them to do that and not try to eliminate that experience by, by drinking or by, by adultery or by all these other means that police officers try to eliminate that evil that they see in a day-to-day experience. And I was trying to explain this to a bunch of men in here in, in Kansas that, you know, none of them are police officers, you know, they, they all have different jobs, but, you know, to realize that the, that, you know, when you're out there on the job, majority of the time you're seeing negativity, evil, and that actually does absorb on you. And you have to find a way to release that or share that so that your family can understand what you're going through. Uh, would you agree with me on that? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And how about, so part of the speaking, you know, part of the, uh, it's really not a speech, but when I talk to the Academy, I always close out with, uh, the suicide rate on our officer on our officers now. And, and it all falls into the same line. It all falls into, I just want to feel better. I just want this pain to go away. I just want, and you're right. The drinking, the adultery, the, Pop, pill popping, you know, any way they can mask the pain that they're trying to suppress. And there's no need for it. There's no need for them to suppress those things. Talk to your fellow officers. You know, it's a different day and age now where, you know, the guys on, on you know, the foot when they were on the beat and they were having to be tough and they couldn't cry to each other and they couldn't talk to each other. Those days are gone. Yeah. Days are gone. Well, there's always someone to talk to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is the most important thing you've learned in life or business? Life is definitely to move forward. Um, Trust in yourself. Uh, It's taken me a really, really long time to trust other people, uh, especially in relationships. You know, I've been in several relationships since time has gone and, um, Trusting other people is really difficult for me. So I still struggle with that. And um, I think I just need to reach that point and then I'll be good. <laughs> That's where I'll be good <laughs> in life <laughs> because everything else is good. And as far as business, you know what? Um, I really love helping people. I really love helping. I still do it. A lot of times I do it for free or more bartering, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, old school in the Amish world where it's like, okay, I'll do this for you. If you do this for me kind of thing, shake of the hand. I like that. You know, I like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't stopped helping people launch their businesses and stuff. I know I say I'm retired because I don't, I don't diligently work at it. I definitely don't market it anymore. But whenever I see a small business person um, struggling in their surroundings, I always try to lend a hand and I still do that. So. Uh, right. Right. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm the same way. I just, I just have this calling to help people. And, and that's really, you know, that's really what I want to do is I just want to be able to help people and, and whatever way it is and whether it be, you know, sharing my own life story with them, like you're sharing with us right now about, you know, what things inspire you. Um, and hopefully, hopefully our listeners that, that listen to this podcast will, We'll be able to see things that will maybe help them understand on, on how to move forward. 
with anything that any roadblock that runs in your life, because a roadblock is not a permanent stop. There's always a way around. So, um, and that's what we want to share with people. So if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Um, you know, what? my billboard would, would say, um, look at the person next to you, question mark. Are they good? Question mark. And that's it. That's what my billboard would say. Cause I truly believe that if you see someone that's good in the world, get to know them. Don't be shy shake their hand. If you see somebody do a good deed, go up to them. Say, hey, you know, I noticed what you did. That's awesome. My name is. You don't know where that conversation may lead. You may just make a lifelong friend. So yeah, yeah. that's what it that, was. That, that, is, that is good. I, I like that. You, know? you really caught me off guard with that one. I never even thought of a billboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. Because how many times well, have good. we looked at the person next to us slanted eyed like, what the heck are we doing next to this person? <laughs> He's a real tool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've known when we've been out on numerous, numerous uh, motorcycle events and, and, you know, we'll be riding next to each other. And then you'll get this guy that's just riding like a maniac, you know, like looking at him like, who the hell? What the <laughs> what, are, what What is your issue? <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, Okay, let's let's do this. Let's uh, turn back some time here. If you uh, could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell her? Don't have sex. <laughs> <laughs> I was 18 when I got pregnant for my first kid. <laughs> Hold out until you graduate college. <laughs> oh, that is funny. Um, my 18 year old self, I would have definitely, I would have definitely warned myself about boys and, and my libido and would have just, you know, focused on school. I loved school. I loved it. I could have went through college and did more and, um, been in a different, you know, space right now. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But mm-hmm. I don't regret anything. I, I don't regret anything. I did. I think anybody who says that they regret everything that they did from the time they were 18 just hasn't hasn't taken advantage of their life and and lived it. Life is good. You know, life is good. So you need to you need to embrace it instead of fighting it. And I, I don't I know I made the mistakes that I made, but it, it I, I'm the person because of it. And I really I really love myself. I really do. And when I meet someone that doesn't, I walk away from that person because I'm the only thing that matters. So. Well, you know what? And I like you hearing you say that. And I got to tell you, though, um, as far as, you know, at first, I I would have to say a long time ago, I kind of regretted, you know, some things I've done in my past. But the more I've become more in touch with, with my faith, and, and believing in miracles, I, I now look back when I read stuff, whether it be a daily devotional or, or even the scripture, I can go back and see how, how God, some way in my form in my life, was helping me through that mistake and making me grow to be able to not let that happen again or, 
or fix the problem that that you had from your first marriage so that your second marriage is stronger or or for not those are you know things that i just feel that you you're growing you're learning and you know what you're going to make mistakes along the way but you're going to be fixed as you're going right does that make sense yeah most definitely i don't believe that any of the mistakes i made were were mistakes you know i think that those challenges after like you said you know you got to do a lot of bible reading you got to do a lot of a lot of uh, soul searching to realize that they weren't mistakes. I mean, yeah, I beat myself up plenty of times, you know, especially during my first marriage. My first marriage was horrible. He was a drug dealer. He was a drug addict. He was functioning. So nobody saw that. My struggles were um, a secret, you know, where everyone thought it was the leave it to beaver kind of classic relationship or the white picket fence, because that's the way we lived. And we had these three beautiful kids, but in all reality, it was traumatizing. And I beat myself over the head over and over. Like, why was I so stupid? Why was I so stupid? And it took me a while, even after um, I was with Tom for quite a few years, probably about five or six years I was with him before I realized that any mistake I made was no mistake. It was a challenge that God had put in front of me and that I, I succeeded in overcoming that challenge. And, you know, that's all I can ever do is live for his challenges and hope that, you know, I succeed in, in overcoming them because that's all he wants from us. So he does put things in front of us for us to, like you said, the obstacles, you know, they're not there for us to look at and decorate. We need to overcome them. That's why they're right in front of us. So. Right. And, and and you just gotta you gotta you gotta listen. Sometimes he's talking to you, and you gotta listen because he'll tell you. I mean, it's no different than when I was on the job when the back of the hair stood up on my neck when I had hair. That is. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> would stand would stand up on the back of my neck. That was him pre warning me. Be careful. Watch out. So even today, you know, there's times when you know I just gotta listen to what he's telling me that you know, he's giving me direction. You just got to sometimes listen. And, and I know a lot of us have a hard time listening. And I think if, if more people would listen to what he's trying to tell us, then you would be making better decisions. You'd be much happier. And, and you just got to have, and, and my biggest things, and, and I, I don't think I shared this with you, but I'm going to send you this thing. It's an 80, 80 questionnaire on your spiritual gifts. And I don't know if you've ever taken this test, but I took this test and I have my top three spiritual gifts are administration, miracles, and faith. So I really focus a lot on miracles and faith. I believe if I stay strong in my faith, all things will be accomplished. It's no different than Philippians, you know, 413. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? There you go. So, um, but that's enough about me. But this is about you. So we're going to talk about (laughs) <laughs> what is what is your best tip for making the world a better place? Um, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick to women. I'm just gonna stick to women right now. Making it a better place. Making it a better place. Um, I feel like most women adapt to their surroundings. Um, 
we adapt, we become chameleons to our life as a mother, as a wife, girlfriend, whatever, our workplace, we tend to, we're almost afraid to rustle the feathers or, you know, make waves or anything like that. And, and some women are just afraid of confrontation, maybe not afraid, but they just don't want to deal with it. You know, the drama of confrontation. Mm -hmm. We have to make our world as small or big as it is. We have to make that better before we can even think about making the world better. And I just feel like exhuming that energy, it will, it will reach out to other people around you. It's like looking at the person next to you. Are they good? That's an energy that we can all put out that other people will feel. We don't have to stand on a soapbox. We don't have to have neon lights saying, this is what I do. This is what I do. It's an energy. Mm -hmm. And when someone walks in the room with that energy, everybody feels it. How many times do you guys tell me, oh, Helene, when you walk in a room, you light it up. Boom. <laughs> Mostly because I'm loud. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I have an energy that people gravitate towards because it's very positive and calming and just, you know, I'm who I am. I'm real. And I know I have that because my whole family has it. It trickles down from my mother, my father, my seven siblings. People gravitate towards our energy because it's positive. Now, once we get into a personal relationship or whatever, yeah, there's negativity, there's drama, there's fighting. But is a, as a whole, in the world around us, my parents have raised us so well and so strong in our faith. I mean, for a woman, my, my dad was there, but he was holding down three jobs. So most of the time, Sunday at church was like the only time he could sleep with his eyes open because it was quiet. <laughs> my mother dragged eight children to church every single Sunday. We never missed it. Until we made our confirmation and could make the choice not to go to church, all eight of us would be sitting in that pew with my mom and dad. And, you know, got nothing to do but listen. Right. So our faith was instilled really quick. And we knew that the world we lived in was one that we had to cherish. You know, littering, just littering, stuff like that. You know, we'd get our butts cranked out if we if we threw something out the window or had something in the yard or anything i mean just little stuff like that that people take for granted these oh, days absolutely it's, right i mean to make the world around you better you have to really focus on your small world first and um as women we need to be stronger we need to know that we can stand up for ourselves and not have to worry about the repercussions and know that we are strong enough to get that other job. If we get fired because we told the boss you're wrong, you know, I mean, no one's right. We're all human. I don't look at, and you know me, I've been, I've been friends, I guess, or acquaintance or whatever with multimillionaires and homeless people and everybody in between. And everyone is treated exactly the same in my eyes. And they appreciate that. People appreciate that. I could go sit to dinner at the most expensive place in the world being treated by a multimillionaire. And it has happened. I treat him exactly the same with the same respect, the same conversation, you know, obviously different subjects. But as I would with the homeless man that I used to, I would sit on the sidewalk with and share a burger. There's no difference to me. We're all human. 
that is awesome yeah. to hear. That is just that is great. I'm that's just so awesome the way you said that. So if I could remove all the barriers and constraints for you, what project would you do? And would you want to be known only by that project? Hmm. God, I never thought of that. You're hitting me with some good ones. Why? That, that's that's, that's <laughs> my whole goal is to make sure that I hit you. I don't want you having a, I don't want you that lo- laying up that lob ball for you. I know, right? So money's not an object, nothing. I got the whole world to my. No barriers. No constraints. No barriers. God, I might disappoint you with this one because it's pretty simple. Parenting. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, parenting. It's not rocket science. And I would devote my life to, to young parents and older parents and parenting to adult children and special needs children and, and focus on, I mean, I would build a community. I would build a community for people to come to so that life skills would be taught to people who needed life skills, that parenting would be taught to, to children who are young parents who think that there's no hope or the ones that, you know, are pregnant now and don't feel like they need to be a parent and they don't, and they want to put it up for adoption. Well, put it up for adoption. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's good parents out there. And guess what? I'm not going to make it impossible for this person to adopt a baby because this baby needs to be adopted. I mean, there are so many things that have fallen through the cracks. It's just, it's, it's, it's horrible. And it all falls under life skills and parenting to me. So, you know, these babies, it's DCFS problems, these babies that are getting killed by their parents or their parents' boyfriends or parents' girlfriends or whatever, this all falls underneath that, that bubble. It's all in that bubble. And I would devote everything I had and teach and, and give. And, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, this isn't unemployment or government assistance. It's actual teaching life skills. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you what I love best about this is you're keeping this within our own country. And I'm not, I'm not against, you know, for people helping other people throughout the world, but I think it's so important. And you've hit on it several times in this interview about doing stuff locally, helping people locally, helping those around you. I mean, we've, we've talked about homeless, we've talked about, you know, kids and, 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 and growth in that way and and teaching them life experiences. I mean, you know, you could be textbook smart all day long, but if you ain't street smarts too, you know, you're going to have a problem in life. You got to have a, you got to have a little bit of both. And, and it's so refreshing because most of the people that I hit this question with, um, they really, they really don't, they really don't think about it because they're like, well, man, uh, okay. What? I mean, all barriers and constraints removed. But I will say this, that 90% of all my interviewers have kept everything in our country, in the United States, addressing issues that we have here. So, and, and I, I love what you're talking about. I think that is huge on the direction that, that you, would, you would do that. And so the last part of that question was, would you want to be known only for that project or would you want to be anonymous about it? Um, no. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to be anonymous about it, but 
honestly, Matty, the only thing I want to be known for is the success of my children. All the things that I've all that I've done in the last fifty years, it's weird, but the only thing I care about is how people see me. Not really how people see me, but the success of my children and 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 the way I raise well, them. Well, and I have to I because have to I, say you're doing a pretty damn good job there, kiddo. They're awesome. I got great friggin' kids. <laughs> you never hear me complain about my children. I don't think ever once have you ever heard me complain about my. They're they're freaking awesome, and I love them, and they love me, and they love each other, and we're a tight family, and you know we have our little fights or whatever, but we laugh them off. Everything is with laughter with us, and um, if I want to be known for anything, number one is that I'm a mom, and I continue to be a mom by being a mother-in-law and a grandmother, and that's that is my. And all mothers will probably say this. That's my biggest accomplishment. But it really is. That's what I, that is really what I'm known for. When someone calls me mama bear, oh, that melts my heart. <laughs> it does. And I get called mama bear from a lot of people. <laughs> and that, and that is, and that is great to hear, you know, because, you know, you, you consider it being called mama bear. I, I consider it, you know, when we were growing up, you know, um, the, women like my grandmother were the matriarchs of the family, right? You know, your mom was a matriarch of the family. You know, those, those, that's what I, I, I think of as, you know, my wife is the matriarch of our family. I, I think, you know, as strong as she is and stuff like that, that's, I, I, that's how, how I look at it. Um, as far as that way, as far as for women being in that role model and, and wanting to be known for that. So um, I guess then the next question, I got two more questions for you. What is the best compliment you have ever received? Um, I think that I, through speaking, I guess, is that I've touched someone to the point where it's actually turned their life around. So I was in a situation where um, someone felt like their life wasn't worth being alive. You know, their life just wasn't worth it. And you know me, I'm going to tell you like it is. So I said, well, you know, then off yourself. You got the means. So if that's what you're planning on doing, you know, why are you talking to me? Just take your revolver and put it to your mouth. You know, like, why are you waiting? And he, he stopped. He stopped. He's like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> and then it came into a conversation where at the end of our conversation, he thanked me and it was so gratifying. It was so gratifying to hear the reason why he was thanking me. I will not, I don't think I will ever feel that again. Or forget it. I mean, how can you, for, how never, can you forget that? I'll never forget it. It was like the conversation was yesterday. I think about that all the time. Um, I'm very careful with my words. You know, I really am. I'm, I'm very unfiltered, but I'm careful. It, it, you know, you know how you feel the crowd, you feel right, the crowd. Right. I'm, I'm very careful with my words. I knew I was, I knew who I was talking to. I knew this person. He was not a complete stranger to me. And uh, whatever I had to say, he needed to hear. And he lives on today. Um, he did not retire from the job, but he left the job. And he's happy and he's free from those demons. Yeah. He's free from those demons. So, you know, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't just one conversation that we had, but 
that one conversation that turned his changed his mind put it in a different direction um that was very gratifying to me was the biggest compliment that i had ever gotten that is awesome to hear that is awesome to hear and of course you know um that's a helene wood unfiltered (laughs) (laughs) i don't suggest everyone to say to somebody telling them they want to do that go ahead and do it (laughs) so you know what i lied I, i i actually got two more questions for you because you know what i i am not cutting this short because i love how you're responding to the questions so um what should what should I what should have I asked you, even though I know you as well as I do, what should I have asked you that I didn't know enough to ask? Oh God. I mean you asked some good questions. You know I I'm I don't like talking about myself. I it's kind of hard. What have you what should you have Yeah, asked? what should I have asked that maybe our readers would want to know about you that I did not ask? Readers, I should say listeners. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess. I I guess the my priorities maybe. Um, how did I fit my priorities in my life, or which I think is helpful for people to hear, because I was juggling, uh, you know, a livelihood prior to Tom's death, of raising five kids and. And having a husband that wasn't there all the time because he was working and running my own businesses. And um, because at one time I was I was working five different businesses out of the office, out of my home office. And I managed it. Apparently, I didn't think I was doing a very good job then, but I did prioritize and I prioritized accordingly so that and, and, and this is really the only without without thinking I was disappointing my God. That's really the only person that I care about disappointing, which is really weird. But, you know, that's like my, that's like a father. That's like a parent. That's somebody that you look up to, like you said. And I hear his words. I may not always follow them. Um, I believe in free will, which I don't believe that God takes away our free nope. will. Uh, even in relationships, you know, I fell into some relationships where God was in my ear telling me, stop this stop this, stop this. But because the other person I felt needed me in their life at that time, I wasn't benefiting from it at all, but I, I felt like they needed me regardless what it was doing to me. I felt like a stepping stone or whatever. Um, I would prioritize that person just like I would prioritize my children. I would prioritize my businesses. Like I put them all in a row to where I I knew I couldn't put a hundred percent into all of it, but at least I could put as close to that hundred percent in each of it where no one was disappointed because if I disappointed anyone, I would be disappointing my God. I would be disappointing my purpose. You know, that would be. So to me, the value of prioritizing things in your life so that you are, you are fulfilled and everybody else is fulfilled. That's really important. You know? So, I mean, that was probably not a question that you would even think of asking somebody, but just managing your livelihood. You got to remember, you know, life gets in the way and your work is not your life. Family is always 
hate to say family second, but your faith in God is first. Family is definitely second. So anything after that, you prioritize the way you feel like you are not being overwhelmed. And um, yeah, you should be living the, the best life that you can. If you do that, you got to learn your, you got to learn what your priorities are. I like, I like, all right. Well, we're yeah. getting down to my last question. I love this question the most out of anything. And if you listen to any other, my podcast, you should already know this one. So here it goes. If you could have dinner with any three people dead or alive, who would it be and why? <laughs> three people. All right. Definitely Jesus. Like, seriously, I need to know that story. <laughs> I need to know the whole story. I want to know Jesus's story. I want to know, you know, dude, was Joseph really your stepdad and God was your father? Like, where was all that? Was Mary really a virgin? <laughs> you know, I need to know those things. I believe in all the powers that have been biblically written down about Jesus and the prophecy of Jesus. But, you know, we all have those questions. Jesus would be the first one that I would have dinner with. It would be the longest dinner, too, because we would have a lot of conversation. And then, um, obviously, the second one would be Tom. I miss him. Yeah, I would I would definitely say that that was going to be one of your three for sure. <laughs> yep. And, and, you know, and go ahead. Third, I don't know. My third one would probably be someone. No, you can't say someone. You got to pick a person. I got to pick you a gotta person. Pe- you got to pick a person. You can't cheat. Come on. All right. All right. All right. Um, I guess it would be, I had a childhood friend that died when we were in eighth grade. He committed suicide and he had a twin and we were really good friends. Same with Mikey. I wouldn't mind talking to Mikey again. Seeing, you know, just talking to him just because it's familiar that history you have with childhood friends. And I know after people die, they follow us through the rest of our life. Um, so I don't feel like his absence is missing in my life. And I think we would have a lot of laughs. We used to laugh a lot. <laughs> so it would probably just be Mikey, just because those, those other two dinners would have exhausted me. So I would have to sit down with Mikey <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other two dinners would have exhausted you. That that is that is that is funny. That is that is hilarious because you know what? The the funny part about this whole thing is not that you picked uh Jesus Christ as a person because a lot of people have already done that. I mean, if you go back and listen to my other seven podcasts, um I would have to say uh 35% of the people um have picked uh Jesus Christ and and I and I would too. Um, because like you, I would want to have some, some answers to, to, you know, why did he only, you know, live till in the mid thirties? You know, why, why not keep going further? Why did you, you know, go ahead and sac you know, why was that the time that you had to sacrifice your life to, you know, to relieve all sins? And, you know, I feel like he could have done so much more and, and grew so much more in faith, but yeah, I, I, I could definitely see why everybody picks that and those people that believe in miracles and faith have always seemed to be the ones that pick it so yeah yeah for sure so that was definitely good choice and and you know what i i, 
I, I like the fact that, you know, having the opportunity to sit back down with Tom, um, because you know what, he definitely was your soulmate as many of the years as I've known you. Um, I know how much he was really connected to you. And, and I feel the same way about Tina. And I know that if for some reason something happened that separated us, um, whether it be her or me, I, I would hope that she would say, well, if I was going to have dinner with someone, I, that would, who would be, you know? I'm sure so, she would. <laughs> so, um, but I, you know, again, I would have to pick which one I want to do first because I, I think, uh, I think it'd be easier for me to do my, my dinner with Jesus before my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Doing a dinner with Tina would be, uh, take a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you. Um, you know, this is something that means a lot to me. Um, as you know, as the title says, Inspiring Times with a Mentee, this this is something I just want people to be able to listen to um, and be able to get something out of it and, and find, you know, hope and, and goodness and all these things, joy, all these things in life to help make yourselves better and understanding that we need more of this. We need more of this positive message being spread because, you know, it's almost like Ghostbusters too, right? When, when they had to make the slime into positive music. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, that, that's, really, that's really what we need to do here. So, um, you know, with that, again, I want to just say thank you. I'm going to end this with like I always do on, um, on my podcast. But before I do, is there anything else that you wanted to add before I, I close this out with us? Yeah, man, you're just, you're doing great. I'm proud of you. I'm so glad that you found your purpose in life and that you're sharing it. You're not keeping it to yourself like a lot of people do um, based on embarrassment or whatever. People, you know, stop themselves from sharing the good that they have so deep inside of them. And um, this podcast is a great idea. It was a lot of fun. I I never did it before. So this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to them. You know, I listen to a lot of them and stuff and just kind of zone out while I'm driving on my trips. But yeah, you're doing great. And I'm so proud of you. And you know, I can't wait till we ride again because I know that those times are far and few between because life gets in the way. But um, I miss you. I miss you and the girls. Well, we miss you too, and uh, we hope that uh, in your adventures that hopefully you can you can swing by in Kansas so we can. We I know you've been here before, but that was when you were you know watching the kids while me and my wife were having fun in Hawaii. So <laughs> that um, was a blast. So I, you know, I would do that again. But, <laughs> but we would love to be able to have you here when me and Tina are here as well. So, you know, we can all spend time together. And, uh, you know, I know we did a little writing together before, but, you know, this this would be, uh, you know, a lot more enjoyable to be able to spend time with you as well. So um, thank you. Thank you for all the compliments. I, I greatly appreciate it. I, I do truly do hope that this is a calling to help other people. And so with that, I'm going to end like I always do on everything. And this is just truly from my heart. First of all, I want to give a huge shout out to all our public safety officers out there, police, firemen, paramedics, as well as our dispatchers, the nurses and doctors out there for the long hours that they put in. Um, to all those that serve right now in our U.S. military, thank you for your service. Um, those that have retired, we thank you for also providing your service. But especially to all those that served in Vietnam, we want to say welcome home. And that, with always, uh, I just want to again say thank everybody. Uh, please like and share my podcast. And uh, you know what? This is Inspiring Time with Amenti. And I am your host, Amenti Corey. So thank you and have a blessed day.